the saints have nothing about there's nothing about balance in their life it's about a complete and total focus Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another wonderful episode of Every Knee Shall Bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization. Today is a very special episode. My name is Mike Gormley, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dave, too hot to handle, too cold to hold, Van Vickle. How you doing, Dave? How long did it take you to come up with that one? Literally did it on the <laughs> on fly. fly. I'm impressed. I <laughs> hate these names You're welcome. so much. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, This okay, so this episode's awesome because we're talking about a new book coming out, and I'm excited about it. Like, we've been plan in this. It's called The Activated Disciple. It's out, okay? And both Gomer and I have read it. And it's by Jeff Cavins. We're going to be joined by Jeff. And it's uh, it's awesome. So I'm going to kind of go on my soapbox here about this book. <laughs> and, and I'm going to use this book to prove everything I've been trying to tell you for the last several episodes, okay? Um, you know, like one of the things I always harp on, if you've been listening to us week after week, is like we have this tendency in the church to for evangelization and discipleship, especially in a parish, to think of it like a blender, right? That we just throw a lot of good Catholic things in this blender and then we blend it up and we pour it out. Supposedly a good disciple comes out. And that that really is not a sufficient way to look at discipleship. It really uh you'll you're just gonna see it becomes like a consumeristic kind of parish where people just go to what they want to go to and things and and we're not feeding people along a path of discipleship or leading them or even really ever expressing to them what it means when we say we want to make disciples at this parish. And so when I read this book, I, I was so excited because it very clearly, strategically points out what is a disciple and the path a person takes to growth and discipleship and to continued growth and discipleship. It's the opposite of the blender approach, right? And we have this tendency to do that because I think the blender's a little bit easier. It, it's not easy to find a great path of discipleship uh, for a parish or for any kind of evangelization uh, and to really work that pro I hate I hate programs, but to say to work that, you know, call and method of bringing people along the path of discipleship and then sending them out. And in this book, you have a very clear idea of what is a disciple, what is not a disciple, and what does it mean to live it out in a very daily practical way. And it throws in, and, it, and it's thoroughly Catholic. I, that's my favorite part. At one point, he's talking about the Angelus. And I was like, oh, this is so awesome that, right, that a, a book on discipleship is talking about the Angelus, right? Yeah. Because it's so, so exactly, uh, you know, just straight, straight from the heart of the church, which is what, you know, kind of our passion is, discipleship at the heart of the church. What, what did you think when you were, uh, when you were first reading it, Gomer? Uh, my favorite part is the emphasis on personal disciplines. It's a key cornerstone of our show to dive into the disciplines of what it means to follow Christ. Right. Now, we focus on the disciplines of being an evangelist, but Jeff makes this great point in the book, and we are going to actually bring on Jeff, who's waiting right. uh, ever so patiently. But the idea is, uh, he has this line where he says, professional baseball players know how to like uh, pick out the individual aspects of being a great baseball player, and you isolate it so that you can perfect in it. And the idea of looking at our task as evangelists, that's what we try to do on this show, personal disciplines, um, parish practices, all of the above. And so when you get this book, it's like, hey, here is how you do this as an individual and, you know, um, obviously within the parish context, but truly building up those personal disciplines. That, I think, is so key and often what's lacking in formation 
for individual Catholics is a kind of that holistic approach. Yeah. So before we keep going and talking about the book, the author is here with us, Jeff Cavins. Uh, you might know him from his wonderful The Bible Timeline, um, his numerous talks and presentations. One of my favorite is uh, fan or follower when he talks about your discipleship. So Jeff, thank you for coming on the show. Hey, it's great to be with you guys. I am a fan of both of yours and a follow. Ooh, double whammy! I okay. love it. I'll take My it. mom just passed out when she heard that. Because <laughs> if I if I would have said like, "Mom, President Trump or like Michael Jordan were coming on the show," she would have been like, "Okay." But I was like, you know, we're interviewing Jeff Cavins. She was like, "Wait, what? Jeff Cavins?" She's so yeah. excited. No, my parents are the exact same way. So right, right. Uh, I used to be a big listener to Life on the Rock back yeah, in the day too. when I was a youngster. And I had a huge crush on the woman who would answer your emails, You're uh, so Rebecca weird. Roscoe. You're so weird. <laughs> yeah. So one day, no, no, no. So yes. one day I emailed and my, uh, it was straight from Gomer and she read it on the air on Life on the Rock. And I like, uh, I recorded it. I made my family watch it. And then my parents were just like, you told them Gomer? That's so sad. <laughs> And now I'm friends with Rebecca, so it's wonderful. Oh, are you really? I am, I am. Yeah, I we, we had a lot of young uh, young people on the show and Life on the Rock, and uh, particularly with the girls, uh, people would come to uh, see the show in person and say, well, where's, where are the, where are the, the girls? <laughs> uh, they were, they were hey, very popular. Hey, old man, where are the ladies? They were we, very well, <laughs> popular, and they all have families now, and they're all grown, and... And my beard is gray, so yeah. <laughs> right. Go, Gomer, just like Dave. Gomer, just oh like stop! Dave. Gomer and I actually went to went to school with your daughter. So if that if you oh, want to age yourself a little bit more, yeah. oh you did, Carly. Oh yeah, that's funny, Carly. Yeah, she she's a she's a nurse uh, anesthetist now. Ooh. She wanted to follow me in a career, so she said, "I want to put people to sleep." <laughs> <laughs> my it. my most embarrassing moment with Carly. I walk into a room. It's the first day. We're all in Austria. And I knew a lot of the Angels household, and so I'm talking with them, and I knew her roommates, but I never met her. And so I'm talking, and I look up on the wall. I had no idea her last name. I look up on the wall, and I go, hey, why are you in this picture with Jeff Cavins and some woman? <laughs> and she goes, because he's my dad and that's my mom and i was like oh, oh i gotta leave okay good day to you i feel like an idiot yeah so that's my story well you know it's kind of funny during that time uh uh i worked with uh well i saw the, the passion with mel gibson twice and then gave comments you know, i guess you'd call that working with him a little bit but there was a picture that i took of mel gibson with my family and carly brought that to franciscan university and i don't know if you remember there was like yeah this i remember big that rumor yeah. going around oh, that yeah. mel's daughter was at the university <laughs> and there was that picture of carly with mel and when they found out it was me it was like oh <laughs> oh jeff the bible timeline guy <laughs> yeah so, so so jeff so we i mean we've been a fan of a, a lot of your stuff but i honestly have to say like i'm i'm like obsessed with this book now the activated disciple i really am because oh, um i guess like in a certain sense like it articulates things that I've just been waiting for someone who's even more of an expert to articulate. And and in this book, it like shows to me, it it, it plays a role that we haven't had played yet. And it's going to be important. I, I'm really excited to like bring it into the parish and to like, you know, help, help you know, use it to influence parish culture. Um, and I have, I think, you know, honestly, my very favorite part of the book is, is the beginning where you talk about your love for photography and how you, how you were like obsessed with photography. And honestly, I kind of saw myself in it and was a little nervous. Like, Oh my gosh. Like, it, you know, we all have that a little bit that we're, we become an expert on something and never, you know, really engage it. Right. We do. And when I bring that up publicly at a talk or whatever, uh, you can see a lot of people elbowing their spouse. Oh. You know, it's kind of like, 
that's you, except it, <laughs> yeah. that's you, except yeah. it's making beef jerky right. or something <laughs> else. <laughs> Brewing beer. Yeah. For me, it was woodworking. I bought all of these woodworking power tools. I don't know how to use power tools at all. And then <laughs> literally, I read that chapter where, so for the people listening, he basically says he was buying magazines and books and all this photography equipment, but he never really took yeah. pictures. Or it's G Gomer, Gomer the handyman. Yeah, yeah, I have no handy. I'm all <laughs> thumbs right here. Right? You see these little sausage fingers. And so the uh, the funny thing was, I literally, I read that chapter and I said, tonight I'm going to build something. And I built legs <laughs> because I had to say, like, something had to be done <laughs> so I wouldn't end up like Jeff Cable. That is, <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> That's funny, but you know we all do that. Uh, a lot of people do it, and that they get. There's a certain thrill that people get out of acquiring knowledge or a skill and mastering something. I think it's part of. Honestly, I think it's part of the DNA that that God has put into us that we have a desire to master something, and whether it's the violin or whether it's make like you said making beer or beard balm or um, you know a, a subject in Christianity or um, a sport. We've got this desire. And it's a voracious appetite that we have, and it's just a matter of channeling that right down the you know the middle of the pipe, so to speak, uh, middle of the plate, I guess we'd say. And and it's really you know becoming obsessed with knowing Jesus and and following Him and becoming like Him and 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 doing the things that He did. I mean, if if we had the passion for that, like a lot of people have passions for hobbies. Man, we'd change yeah. the world, you know? And I think, though, there is, and I've heard you say this before at uh, the Amazing Parish Conference, but there is this tendency, though, where we can get lost in the reading and the learning without being a doer. Yeah. And, you know, I think of Christ's words where he said, you know, it's not those who hear these words of mine, but those who do them that builds their house on the rock. And I start to think about that. How do I live my life on the rock, if you will? And uh, <laughs> you start to think about all these things. And I, I'm in charge of adult faith formation at my parish, right? 7,000 families, 22,000 people. And there is this tendency, and I was totally guilty of this, where learning becomes discipleship and that's it. To the point where I met a woman who had been through four years of the Bible timeline and still didn't go to mass regularly. And she What's would her be name? Like, Send it on to me. <laughs> but so we had this long chat and she's like, well, you know, I love learning about this stuff. And I was like, yeah, but at a certain point, you have to get out of the boat. Like, right. uh, it's like, you know, everything about the boat you're in, but Christ is saying, come follow me. And it's like, ah, like part of that. So what would you say about the danger of just an overly intellectual formation versus balancing these, these other disciplines of a disciple? Well, I think we can deceive ourselves, Gomer, into thinking that if we're studying the faith, we're doing the faith. And if we're involved in accumulating knowledge, whether it be uh, through a podcast like ours, yours, mine, um, EWTN, Catholic Radio, a CD from Lighthouse Media, whatever it might be, we kind of have this idea that if I'm busy consuming it, it's good. I, I am. I'm actually doing this. I'm actually doing something. When you when you stand back and really look at it, um, your your faith kind of becomes your hobby, you know. But you don't actually get about doing it or sharing with it. I'm. I was uh, surprised, you know. And I took a couple of uh, uh, informal polls from people who listen to a lot of Catholic media and buy books and so forth, watch TV, and asked how many of you have shared Christ with anybody in the in the last six months or year. I think it was a year. I said uh, the last year that you have shared with a stranger, and not one hand went up. Yeah. And I said, well, 
wait, 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 but what have you been doing? And then the answer is, well, I've read a lot and listened to a lot and went to a few conferences and well, good. You're like me, you know, all about photography, but you never yeah. took a shot, you know? Yeah. That just, that, that's so key. We had a, a huge Scott Hahn event at our parish and I mean, you know, filled the church, all this stuff. And it was, it was an amazing day. We, our parish hall became a library or a bookstore rather. And it, it was awesome. Like sold out of books, all this stuff. And then right after two hour and a half long talks on the Eucharist and, you know, the lamb supper, uh, there was a mass, a sung mass by my friend who is a priest, Father David Huss, who has sung before royalty and is trained operatic and loves Gregorian chant. And he's going to chant the mass. And it was like 100 people stayed for the mass. And I was like, we just spent three hours learning about the Eucharist and no one's going to go to mass. <laughs> uh, there's work to be done. Yeah, there there's is. work to be done. Yeah, I, I, I think also, you know, there's a tendency like, we, you know, we have this fear to share our faith. We have a, like a deep seated fear, most Catholics. And. You can really hide behind training. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. think I mean like you just continually consume, 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 and and the truth is, if you do that, you're never going to feel like you're ready to evangelize. Right. So I, I got, I, I guess my like question would be like, it does when is someone ready? Like at what point you know is someone ready to to go out and to get somebody right to share it? Yeah, well, I can, I can speak for, uh, from my own life, you know, that when I had a major conversion experience at uh, 18, by the way, I put on my um, Instagram account today a picture of me when I was 16, and now you can see in my eyes, uh, I'm searching, <laughs> I'm searching <laughs> for God, and it was at 18 that I, I really gave my life to Christ as an adult, you know, I realized that I had come into the family at baptism, I just had never really acted on it or grew, and uh, literally within that first week, I was sharing Christ with other people in my simple way, you know, of telling them, hey, look what I found. This is, it's unbelievable, you know, and I was so excited about it. It's kind of like suddenly getting, you know, Paul McCartney tickets. And well, how long was it before you told anybody? Uh, it was that afternoon, actually, that I told everyone that I <laughs> yeah. had Paul McCartney tickets, you know, and uh, did you know where you were sitting? No. Did you know what he's going to sing? No. Who's going to accompany him? I don't know. Uh, but I can tell you this, I got tickets, oh, yeah. you know, where do I get tickets? You know, yeah. so that happened in the first week of, uh, of my, of my life. And, and I found out from the beginning that sharing Christ is more relational. I mean, you got to have, you have some theological background, some depth there that you can learn, yeah. but it, it's, it's relational. It's one person sharing uh, a new friend with somebody else. And, and most of the people that I find that I share Christ with, which I, I got kind of a deal with the Lord that I'm going to share t with two people every day. Uh, somehow I'm going to share Christ with two people every day. So that's about you know over 700 a year that I can talk to. And I find that in most cases, they're really not interested in my theology right. at all. But they are interested in getting uh, something done about their depression or anxiety or yeah. their, their child is really uh, uh, messing up in high school or they're waiting for their doctor's test back and they're really nervous. Yeah. Uh, I, have something to, I have something to say to that, you know. Can we talk about that real quick? What does it look like, practically speaking, when you're sharing Christ with two people a day? Could you give us a couple for instances? Oh, sure. Um, like, uh, for example, I'll stand, I'll be standing, um, you know, in line at Starbucks. I, I'm, I'm sorry, I didn't say Starbucks. We don't go there. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. I'm standing in line at the local coffee shop, and I'm standing there, and I overhear the person in front of me say, uh, hey, remember my dad? I mean, he, he went in the hospital last night. I'm going over there now. He, he had a stroke last night. 
Well, there you go. All I've got to say is, uh, you know, when they when they're done paying for their coffee, is say, excuse me, can I, can I ask you a question? Uh, sure, I, o- I overheard you say your dad was in the hospital. Um, I, I just wanted you to know that I'm a Christian. I'd love to pray for him today. What's his name? You ought to see the response when you do that. Wow. People are like, oh my gosh, is that nice? Thank you. My dad, is his name's Brian. You got it. I'm going to be praying for Brian today, and I, and I, and I really mean that. And, and they're like, wow, right. that was cool. You know, right. and and that might be just the first point, but I don't know what's going to happen to that lady the rest of the day. She may meet somebody else that takes her to the next step of uh, uh, her realizing, wow, somebody said they were praying for my dad today, and now this person's inviting me to their parish. It all builds, you know, on yeah. one another. As Paul said, one plants and other waters, but God causes the increase, and God's behind it. So I uh, would love to know, you know, basically if if you know, your tips, like we do five practical takeaways, you know, for people who want to start to evangelize. And and the goal for our podcast is like to create an army of evangelists, just like what you said, right? That people would just, even if their goal was just to reach out to one person right now, right? That we would have an army of that where they can report back and we could say what went wrong, what went right. And, and really have that community. So we try and give every week, like these five practical tips. And I'd love to hear some of yours, you know, your, your practical things. Well, yeah, I can tell them real quick to you that these are things that I keep in mind all the time. One is to get to know the seven points of the basic proclamation of the gospel, and it's called the charisma. You know, it's got, we got a, a fancy name for it, charisma, and most people won't remember charisma, but they will remember what I talk about in the book, and that is the Keurig machine, you know, the Keurig coffee machine, the maker. Uh, just remember Keurigma. <laughs> and you need to give people a, a free cup of Keurigma every single day. And uh, so get to know those seven points. And those seven points are so basic that they're going to fool you. The, the points are so basic that you're going to think, ah, I could never do that. Like, for example, number one, God loves you and has, a, has a, an amazing plan for your life. People love to know about this. Number two, sin will destroy you and ruin God's plan for your life. That's a fact. Number three, Christ Jesus died for you. He died for your sins. And number four, he wants us to respond to this message by uh, repenting. But I don't actually use the word repent when I talk to people. I use what the catechism says, and that is you need to radically reorient your life to Jesus, to God. Oh, yeah. Love that line. Yeah, I love that. And people people get it then. Hey, you need to reorient your life here, you know, to, to God. And number five, be baptized, receive the Holy Spirit. And, and uh, you know, we could go on and on about these, but I'm just giving you the basics. Abide in Christ and his body, the church. In other words, become a part of it. And then you go make disciples. Now, the thing about it is, is that most people say there is no way in purgatory that I'm going to do that. I am not going to share that kind of a message. And my, my response is to them is, Mr. or Mrs. Catholic, are you serious? Do you have another message? This is the message. This is the message that we have been given, and it is not old-fashioned. It's not you know starchy and, and all that. And the reason that we can weave it into our natural conversations is this. It says in Mark chapter 16 in verse 20 that the Holy Spirit, what does the Holy Spirit do? The Lord works with us confirming the message. And that's probably the key point of, of evangelization and sharing Christ with others is that, hey, you're not alone. You're not on your own on this. The Holy Spirit will confirm the message. The Holy Spirit will not confirm a lot of stuff, but he will <laughs> confirm the, yeah. the message. And so if I'm, if I'm talking to you, Gomer, or Dave, 
uh, and I don't know you, and you don't know the Lord, and I get into a conversation, and I say, hey, Gomer, let me, let me, can I share something with you? Uh, I, just, I just want you to know God really loves you, and, uh, and he, has an ama- he really has an amazing plan for your life. Now, you know, our listeners might think, I can't say that, that sounds corny, but you know what? The Holy Spirit confirms it. And I'll give you an example. Can I give you, do you have time for an example? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. An oh, example yeah. is, is that the number one, the, the, this charisma, this me- basic message, which you can get at Ascension Press, and I think you guys have it too. It's on your wall, Gomer. Yeah. <laughs> is, it's on my office door so that anyone who walks down the hall sees the five points. Or yeah. Seven points. yeah. Is the, the, it's, not a, it's not a Protestant message. This is a Catholic message. It's in the catechism six times in the book of Acts. And, and the, the number one guy that put this into practice in the, in the world was a Protestant. And, it, and everybody knows who he is. And all I got to do is, is imitate him, and you'll know who it is. And this is all he stuck to mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit confirmed the message. Yeah. And so he would fill stadiums, and he would say, he'd say, God loves you, and God has a plan for your life. <laughs> but sin has interrupted this plan. And has messed our lives up. But there's a solution. Right. Jesus Christ has come to die for your sins, but you must repent. And he goes on and on like this, and we're thinking, wow, that's nothing but the message. Right. And in an Anaheim Stadium, 16,000 people come forward. Yeah. Why? Because the Holy Spirit confirmed the message. And so what we're responsible for as disciples and evangelizers is we're responsible for knowing that message and how to naturally, naturally, uh, smoothly converse with people in the middle of a conversation. So my tips are get to know that kerygma. Number two is to find your way of conveying this message, the kerygma. Find your own wheelhouse. Find, you know, brew your own cup of kerygma. Uh, nice. Uh, you know, get get that message down where you're not sound. I don't have to go to, to Starbucks and say to the guy ahead of me, can I talk to you for a moment? God has a plan for you. Know, I don't have to do that. Brew your own cup of charisma, yep. okay? Number three, practice situational awareness, what you see, what you hear. Become aware of opportunities around you. And the fourth one is so important, ask questions. Hey, I overheard your father's in the hospital. What's his name? I'd like to pray for him. Ask questions. Keep asking questions. You'd be surprised at how people will open up to you. And then uh, the fifth one would be to suggest a next step or your next get-together with that, with that person. And once this becomes a habit in your life, I mean, you can't leave the house without opportunities. It is amazing. And we, we just taught an eight-week eight course in the Twin Cities at the Catechetical Institute on the Activated Disciple book, eight weeks, and then we have a 40-day journey. And the 40-day challenge, I should say, is for 40 days, you act like a disciple. In the morning, prayer, Bible reading, situational awareness throughout the day, constant prayer with the Lord. At night, the examined prayer. You practice that for 40 days, and you're going to be a new person, and there's going to be a new shape to your life. And that's what I don't think I'm really hitting hard is, what is the shape of your life right now? Does the shape of your life, does the shape of your day reflect that you are madly in love with someone? Or is it is the shape of your day suggest that you're you're mildly interested in things? It's the difference between having a branch named Jesus on your vine 
versus realizing that you are a branch on the true vine that is Christ. Hey, that's a good way of uh, of uh, putting it. What did I say again there? <laughs> <laughs> oh, stealing from me. That's how things get into books, you know. <laughs> No, but the whole the whole thing when you start to step back and realize, like, I think why don't Catholics evangelize? In in a lot of ways, I think, you know, especially in America, as immigrants coming over from Western Europe and Eastern Europe, we were white like the wasps, but the difference was that P, <laughs> we were a C, we were Catholic, and there's a lot of prejudice against Catholics. So if I was quiet, I could blend. Right. You know, that's right. a that's a big thing. I was talking with someone's grandmother the other day, or great grandmother, and she was talking about living in the inner city, like there was acts of violence against Catholics all the time. So if you were at work, you kept that part to yourself to avoid you know marginalization persecution mm -hmm. but i think there's a deeper spiritual thing that's going on because the early church was persecuted yet they preached yet they proclaimed and so the idea being that might have been how it became cultural but i think there's jesus there's a lack of devotion to jesus christ where i'm not fully maybe i'm not fully convinced i've been going to catholic school for 12 years i got all my sacraments but i'm not convinced that Jesus Christ is truly the Lord of my life and my savior, my hope, my everything. And so what you just said, like you have in this in this book that it's it's a courtship that needs to end in a marriage. But I think so many people, to use kind of the cliche, are just dating Jesus or they're just at this get to know you kind of stage, even though they've been fully sacramentalized, even though they study their faith, they're hesitant to what Pope John Paul said, give a total adherence to Jesus. Right. And when you make Jesus the center of your life, and I don't say you make him the center of your life, but when you uh, submit your life to him completely, um, it, it absolutely changes your life. And I, and I bring that up in the book, you know, who's choosing whom. Yeah. And so often, you, you know, you say to someone, well, tell me about your relationship with the Lord. Well, I accepted Jesus as my personal Lord. I made him king. I made, and I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. Sounds like a, so you walked into Target and made a purchase here, you know, <laughs> rather than uh, you're chosen. You know, Jesus chose you to become like him. He chose you to walk yeah. with him. He chose you to reveal himself to. Uh, we got to start from the beginning and realize this is his project, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, uh, and he chose you. And when you make that the center of your life, uh, it has such a, a big difference. You know, there's, there's like two or three things, guys, in my life that that have made the really big, big difference in my life. And one of them is suffering. You know, I wrote a book called When You Suffer, and it was a, a broken part of my neck inside it. I suffered for quite a while, and it changed my life. But one of the other ones is this, what we're talking about today, and that is uh, what the Jews call kavanah, and that is focus. It is intentional focus. And, and that means that all throughout the day, I do not lose track of the fact that I'm following someone, listening to someone, and looking for opportunities. And when we lose that, it becomes kind of a, a dry religion that you kind of pick up when you need it and you read a little bit. But to go on uh, this adventure with Jesus uh, nonstop, 24-7, man, this is where it's at. This is where it's at. You know, last night I was uh, I was talking to some RCIA people and uh, people coming into the church, and I was warning them to be careful about what they think it means to be a Catholic, you know? And I think this focus idea is exactly what we need because, like, one of them brought up, you know, I'm, I'm like a big St. Gemma nut, St. Gemma Golgani, and, and I recommended one of her books, or a book about her life without 
without understanding where this person was at the stage in their journey. And they were deeply offended by Gemma's life because of her life of incredible penance. And and I had to say to them, like, look, of course, this person seems crazy. If what you're trying to achieve in your spiritual life is balance, that's the, the saints have nothing about there's nothing about balance in their life. It's about a complete and total focus and one desire in their life. And I think that's so important that if we could get across to Catholics that look, focus is what is where the game is, right? That you live your life entirely focused on that one goal of going to heaven and bringing as many people possible with you. Like we would understand the faith and it would be more comfortable for us. I think right now, a lot of people are uncomfortable in the faith because they feel like there's demands that they're not ready to match it, to meet yet. And they don't have that daily focus. So they're, it, it's almost like they're wondering, am I doing it right? You know? Yeah. And you know, the number, the number one thing, uh, Dave, that, uh, Jesus said was, uh, more than anything else was be not afraid the way that John Paul the Great uh, opened up his pontificate, be not afraid. And you have to ask yourself, well, wait, 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 just a second here. I, I, uh, uh, I'm coming into the church because this is going to be a good thing for me. Now you're saying, don't be afraid. What are we going to do that would bring fear on? I mean, what Jesus, what do you have for a plan here? Because you've said this a lot, don't be afraid. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what, what do I need to be afraid of? Well, I'm going to put you into situations that you're not used to. You're going to talk to people you've never talked to before about things you've never thought you would talk about. And um, uh, there might be some persecution. Uh, oh, and uh, P.S., uh, they might kill you. But... Um, <laughs> You know, you have to ask yourself, are you living, is your life with Christ something that you have nothing to fear? Now, we have nothing to fear because we're with him, but in terms of evangelization, he says, don't fear, because you're going to be in situations where you got to totally depend upon me. But this is like walking on water. Peter was the only one of the 12 that really understood what that was about. And and I think deep down inside of the hearts of all of, of our listeners here is the desire to walk on water. It's the yep. desire to, to go beyond where we've ever been before and to do what we only dream of, you know, and that is the work of Christ. And uh, I, I honestly, guys, can't think of anything more exciting than evangelization and discipleship. Amen. I just can't think of anything more exciting than this. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you look at Acts chapter um, 4, where the apostles are persecuted, they're in prison, they're beaten, they come out, and then what do they do? They don't pray for security. They don't pray for safety. They pray for boldness to keep proclaiming. And you look at the church today, and it's so funny how inverted that is, that we are so afraid of looking the fool. Yeah. Uh, we are so afraid of being out of step with culture that we will literally remain absolutely silent in the face of the demonic taking over, yeah. the uh, like lives being destroyed, addictions, all of this stuff. And we have the cure. Not that we are the cure, but we know him. And that we can speak the truth, and we're just so afraid to say it. I, like I remember someone talking about, how blessed we are. And we think of blessing as a lack of persecution, a, 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 the presence of wealth and not poverty. And that's the only way we conceive of it. And then you look at the Beatitudes. It's like, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are they who mourn. Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness sake. And you're like, huh? <laughs> no, I, it's the opposite, Jesus. And Jesus is like, you think it is, but it really is not. I mean, how many Christians in China uh, talk about like, 
they loved their faith more when they were persecuted for it. Mm -hmm. Like it became real and vital and they were alive. And then they come out and they set up these big churches and everything's fine. And everyone just comes to listen to a message one day a week. And then that's it. Yeah. Whereas Christianity yeah. meant a way of life beforehand. Exactly. Exactly. And, that, and that's something that we have to continually remind yeah. ourselves of is that Catholicism is not primarily theological or doctrinal or dogma. Uh, Catholicism is primarily relational. Yeah. You know, it is it is the body of Christ having a relationship with Christ and a relationship with one another. And we are learning and celebrating and evangelizing together as a, as a family, like everybody in an ark, you know, back in the in the Old Testament, yeah. and it's the same way in our marriage. You know, uh, when you when you lose sight of the relationship with Christ as a bridegroom and a bride, uh, this is interesting. Now, this is interesting that our relationship with Jesus is a bridal spousal relationship, which means it's a covenantal relationship. Now, we describe a covenant relationship or a marriage relationship in terms of faithful and unfaithful. Yeah. But when we lose sight of that relationship of being a disciple and an evangelizer, uh, we start turning to political terms. Oh, oh yeah. I'm conservative. Well, I'm liberal or I'm I'm moderate. Well, ask the ask the, the ladies in the audience today, how many of you right now, these single ladies, are praying for a moderate husband? <laughs> You know, no, you're not praying for a moderate husband or a conservative husband. You're praying for what? You're praying for a faithful yeah. husband. And that's what we are as the as the body of Christ. And so our whole life as disciples is a witness, whether it's a false witness or it's a yeah. solid witness. And and so I appreciate what you guys are doing so much, you know, in bringing this up. And uh, and we need more people starting to talk about their experiences in evangelization. You know, and to show people how easy it is, but yet it can be difficult too. You know, because a lot of people are very afraid of the questions they're going to get, and that keeps them from even opening their mouth. They'll say, "Well, you need to share a cup of, you know, uh, brew up a cup of kerygma for your friends uh, or the people you work with," and they say, "Well, they're going to ask me why we worship Mary." Or they're going to ask me about uh, the papacy and what scriptures were those? Or they're going to ask me about the church scandal or whatever. And I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. You stick to your message. Yeah. You tell them, yeah, well, those are things we can all talk about. But God does love you, and God has an amazing <laughs> plan for your life. You know. Yeah. So I, I I listen to people. I'm not afraid of what they're going to ask me because at the at worst I'm going to say I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But boy, you, I sure would like to go down that that path with you and discover more. Yeah, there's a great book by a man named Douglas Hyde, and he talks about when he was training communists in the UK, and he was responsible for so many becoming uh, communists back then, and, and then he converted to Catholicism. But he was talking about the first thing you do is when someone wants to be a communist is you make them pass out the daily worker. And you do that because as they're standing on a street corner and people start harassing them and asking them questions and argue with them, he said, you don't let them go to class first. You let them be a public witness first because what happens is they don't have any of the answers. And it cre it destroys that apathy, not just ignorance, but apathy because they are aware of their ignorance. And then they mm -hmm. desire to go to class. And he says, after a week of it, you let them come to class. <laughs> because you need people to experience the frustration of not knowing. And then you have the inner desire to know. And nothing does that better than a relationship 
with someone that you love who is asking you, well, what about the sex abuse scandal? Well, what about Mary and the Saints? Well, what about, and then right. you want to know. It's not just you're sitting through a class and the DRE's like, today we're going to cover the communion of saints, right? <laughs> it's, there's an inner desire there. What do you think, Dave? Yeah, well, I, I think exactly that. I think, you know, we keep going back to the quote that I always think and talk about, and that is oftentimes discipleship depends, growth and discipleship depends on premature deployment. And I really believe that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I know that I made every mistake in the book with evangelization. And and when I was 15 years old, handing out tracks and things like that, that I had written on my dad's computer and used all his ink and stuff, right? God still showed up. Like, you know, he still showed up because of our willingness and because the Holy Spirit's the primary agent of evangelization. So I think, you know, I just want to say to you, Jeff, like, thank you so much for, you know, your service to the church. And I know Gomer and I both as people who newly gave their lives to the Lord were fed a lot by your old stuff. But I particularly am excited about this book, Activated Disciples. So I'm so glad you got to join us today. Yeah. Oh, I, I appreciate it. It's uh, been good uh, talking with you. And I, I look forward to... Uh, you know, doing more with you guys in the future. I think you're doing a great, a great job. And I need to come down there, uh, Gomer, and get some uh, crawfish down in Houston. I just got back from Louisiana, and man, you guys got tough challenge there. They got some good crawfish over there. Yeah, but Texas is just a better state, so it's just a better environment. The context <laughs> is better. So, <laughs> but yeah, we appreciate it. But me and Dave, we can't end the show without our take five. But today we just have a take one. Dave, what is that take one? Yeah, the take one is this. Buy Activated Disciple. It's not expensive. You order at Ascension Press, all right? It's a great book, and honestly, it's going to piece together a lot of the things you've been wondering about and really give you a path to yeah. travel. And then, you know what? Since Jeff brought it up, let's just let's do the 40-day challenge, you know? Buy the book, read it, and do the 40-day challenge of that blazer focus of trying to live as a disciple every minute, every second of your day. Yeah, and that 40-day that challenge is actually a journal that you can get at Ascension after you, you can sign up there. And then I and then I um, I follow you with two videos every week to encourage you oh, in those oh. eight topics of being a disciple after your, during the 40-day uh, challenge. That is incredible. That is incredible. And I think uh, ultimately what we need to do is if you're involved in a parish, if you have a position on a parish staff, I always bring it back to the parish, buy this book for the parish council buy this yeah, book for your clergy yeah. um and and encourage them sit down with them invite them over to your house with a cup of kerygma you're so and, you love uh, it <laughs> yes. oh dang it it's in my brain um <laughs> so catchy um but dude sit down with people and go through this book together and actually hold each other accountable to the practices all right this has been every knee shall bow your favorite catholic podcast that ascension produces way better than all the other ones that ascension produces <laughs> david's shaking his head frantically no uh yeah so thank you all for joining i'm mike gormley joined with dave van vickle and of course our special guest jeff cavins thank you jeff so much for coming on the show god bless you all